When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun Fletch right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 5-8-8-3-9-7! Everyone, it is that time again, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yesterday, I'm back. Folks only got the abbreviated <laughs> version because Courtney what? and I were all in practice mode yesterday, so we just th- had three quick hot routes yesterday. I know it wasn't the full experience with the NFL films music that Declan is going CFL to ramp up routes. here. CF, yeah, that's right. Three, three and three, out, three downs, three downs. That's right. Had to All punt right. on third but down. But we've got the full-fledged hot routes today. Zolgad, Declan Goff is in for Jonathan. Hmm. Let us begin. All right, Tyron Matthew. We were talking about the weed guy earlier today. No theme, no nothing. I don't have a. I don't have a theme for today. Just start a training so I'm just, camp. I'm just going rookies, for rookies. Great rookie quarterbacks. I'm just going go with like it. drugs. You were doing drugs earlier. Did you make drugs into the cadence? Do you want in on this, Declan, or not? I want in on it. <laughs> Do you remember last time we included Declan? Yeah, I know. He gave you 87 responses like to each the answer. the Moritz Bowringer of hot routes. Nice. Just like, can't run a route at all. That's right. All right. Try to do better this time, Declan. Will do. Tyron Matthew had a meeting with the mayor of Kansas City to talk about how he can use his platform as a superstar NFL player to help the inner city children of the city of Kansas City. Uh, give me a player, because the, Tyron Matthew, remember, yes. kicked out of LSU, which takes a lot of work, Yep, and was a guy who dropped to the fourth round of the draft. Nobody wanted to take him. They were all afraid that Tyron Matthew was going to be a mess. And Tyron Matthew is now thought of as a great guy who mm-hmm. did a lot in Houston and is doing a lot now in Kansas City. Tell me the player whose narrative or perception Changed the most from the draft to when they were an established NFL player. Okay, so the key that you gave here, I think, in in the words that you used, is narrative or perception. So I'm going to give you a guy, and your immediate response is going to be, well, he's not a great guy, and you're right, but the perception, the narrative changed completely, and I think you know exactly who I'm talking about. A Hall of Fame receiver from Ohio State who was actually taken in the supplemental draft. Hmm. Chris Carter had all types of problems. Right, yeah. And and don't be mistaken, when Chris Carter was uh, picked up off waivers by the Vikings for the princely sum of 
That's right, $100 from the Eagles. And Buddy Ryan had the famous statement, all he does is catch touchdowns. That was that was code that was code for he catches touchdowns at the time and does drugs. Yeah. And yeah. so he is gone from here. But if you think about the way that Carter's career evolved both on and off the field from a guy who definitely had problems, the supplemental draft, you guys, like you've got to be something goes wrong. You don't you don't voluntarily be like, you know what I'm gonna do? Skip the April draft and get drafted in July because I just really enjoy the supplemental draft. So Chris Carter came right to mind as a guy whose whose perception, at least, changed in a thousand a, a, a completely different direction, a thousand percent from the time that he was in Philadelphia to end his career um, in Miami, but had the great stint here. I have uh, Jared Allen, who was a guy with Kansas City that also in college had some DUIs and some mm-hmm. issues there with the Chiefs. And I know he had some contract issues too, but he wasn't really the best character off the field. He comes to Minnesota, becomes this the great player that he kind of already was in Kansas City, and then turns his life around a little bit. I know he helped out the troops, and he definitely stopped getting DUIs, so that is a, that is a plus. Uh, so I would say Jared Allen for me. Good job, Jared Allen. I'm going to go with Eli Manning. At Ooh. the draft, when Eli Manning and Daddy got his way out of San Diego <laughs> yeah. and forced his way to the Big Apple, I think everybody thought, what a... Can you, you know say, what? Can you say D bag? Yes, you can. Okay. Well, <laughs> well that's what they I don't like. Thought. It, but you can say at it. the time. That's what I would have gone with. Yep. With Eli Manning. I like, like it. Oh, great! A- a- another kid of an NFL quarterback who just wants everything his way. He's pulling a John Elway or Eric Lindros. If you're oh, a hockey you fan, pulling the Eric Lindros, forcing his way out of the team that drafted him. Yeah. How dare you? You should feel lucky and blessed for any team to select you in the National Football League draft, you jerk face. <laughs> Eli Manning is like the most loved guy. Yeah. He's Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. They benched him a couple of years ago, and he totally had it coming in New York, and everyone freaked out, and they had to fire the coach. He is untouchable royalty in New York, so it seems. And I don't even know if anybody was mad in San Diego because Philip Rivers was real good. Yeah, it worked out for both Everybody cities. got over it. Yeah. I like it. I'm going to go Eli Manning. Our next hot route. The Texans signed a punter named Brian Anger, which I think is great. Like the softest position. Not that I want any punters to hit me because they're Jack now, yeah. but the softest position More in comparison to like Daniil Hunter uh, gets a linebacker name, Brian Anger. I want you guys to give me a player whose name does not match exactly what they do on the field. Declan? For me, the fact that this guy was a quarterback, and it, it seems kind of obvious, but John David Booty is just a <laughs> terrible name for a football player. And I know the word what? booty kind of like is a no-duh, and he only played preseason games. I don't think he ever actually got into an NFL regular really? season. He didn't? I, I don't he, think he I did. Swear, I, I he know did. he obviously was a baller at USC, but I don't think he no. ever got into a game with the NFL, and he was kind of the last man out when Favre came in 2009 because they got a quarterback. So John David Booty, JDB, I, I just, it doesn't doesn't ring well for, for a good football name. I'm sorry. All right, so I have decided to go off the map here. All right. I, I've decided, and, and it's been a long time since I've participated in Hot Routes. As I've said before, my favorite segment of any show on the station, I do believe. But Matthew Collar, I'm going to go to a town which you are very familiar with okay. and a sport, but I'm not going to go football. Oh, no. Oh. And I'm going to go in the way back machine to a guy that your dad probably recalls. 
In the 80s, the Buffalo Sabres had a pair of players, one named Larry Playfair oh, yeah. and one named Lindy Ruff. And the old saying was that Ruff is and Playfair doesn't. Larry Playfair, <laughs> go look up his his fights. Go look up the amount of time he spent in the penalty box. Larry Playfair's name had nothing to do with how he approached the game of hockey. So I'm actually, for Hot Routes this time, going to hockey. It was a great name. That's, that's, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's fine. Good. So <laughs> Thank you, Declan. <laughs> Declan said it's fine. So. I, I, I lacked in creativity here. I tried, and I thought, and I thought, and question? I looked up names. I know. I, know it was my, I thought maybe they'll be better than me, and you weren't. But uh, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait! Mine was good. I, I, I'm Buffalo Saber. I'm going with Herschel Walker because he ran all the time. Oh my gosh! His okay. name is not what he does. No. He doesn't okay, walk; he runs. Declan, that's one of the worst answers that we've ever got. And I mean, I thought your your first appearance on Hot Routes was awful. Right? Naturally, he just, he just topped you. Yep that's that's how it works. You made say, up the question. I didn't you came say up with a terrible all answer. All of my answers would be perfect. Well, mine. That's why, I, that's why I bring in other people. Rough is. How about this? How about Richie Incognito? But I thought you about always that one. notice him. Yeah, yeah you okay. always notice. Him. All right, that's much better for doing illegal things on the field and sometimes off the field. Much better. All right, we'll move on from that one then. Atlanta's very good safety Keanu Neal, who is not like a star that you know or everybody knows, but he's a really good player. He got hurt last year. Says he's feeling good from his recovery. A season after, uh, and he's. Uh, a season-ending injury one yep. year after. So I think Atlanta is kind of dangerous. Would you rather face a dangerous team like Atlanta in Week 1, or would you prefer a weaker team? Would you rather play like the Cincinnati Bengals? Do you want to get right into it, football, play the hardest team you got, send them at me in Week 1, or do you want to say, let's get 1-0 here, and then we'll deal with the rest? Give me a test every time. Give me a test. Give me Atlanta. Give me a good team. Well, and and keep in mind too. Was it week four or five of last year when the Buffalo Bills came to town? We're all like, well, this is an easy two touchdown win, and we're absolutely wrong. But as a fan, I would much prefer to see my team open on a Monday night against the Saints, like the Vikings did a couple of years back, and play a tough team and try and win then play, as you just said, the Cincinnati Bengals or something. Give me the tough game. I want the weak team. I want to get buttered up. I want to make this a long season. Give me the weakest team possible so I can feel as good as I can going into week two. I want the weak team. Two different perspectives here. As a reporter, I want the good team. I want to hype this thing up. I want to talk about matchups, lineups, Matt Ryan versus Kirk Cousins. What do we got going on here? It's two teams that are supposed to have great offenses. Expectations are through the roof for teams who were better a couple of years ago. I I like this matchup for the Vikings in week one. I think it's exciting. But if I was a Vikings fan, I'd be like, ease me into the water. If I get into a pool, I'm the person who steps my toe in first, and then I go, it's a little cold, and then I get the ankle in, and then I ease in. So give me the Bengals. Give me a win. But but if you lose that game, you feel terrible about yourself for a week, and it all goes south, and Zim and Spielman get fired. Okay, that's... You really went far there, but that's a good point, (laughs) that if you lose that game, you feel like the season's over and everyone's going to die. Uh, all right. Is that how you get in the water too? Do you just go toe by toe in the inch, or do you just go all in? I'm, I'm I, just curious. I generally don't swim at all, but if I was forced to, I would be the toe person. When Judd? I was younger, I would have been jump right in. That's like I'm a cannonball kind of guy. No, no, I toe, toe in, toe. In. I hate swimming too. I don't like it. No. I like to go to a beach or lake and watch everyone else participate in the fun on or in the water. Yeah. 
I'm not swimming very fair. any lakes now. Very fair. That's I'll disgu- kayak that's a disgusting. little. Disgusting. I'm afraid of brain-eating amoebas anyway. Yeah, that's exactly true. right. Um, Big Island's a mess right now. Guys, Christian McCaffrey says that he wants to be part of the 1,000-thousand club, 1,000 running yards, 1,000 receiving yards, which has been done twice, once by Roger Craig, once by Marshall Falk. Roger Craig, who absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. What are you doing, Hall of Fame? Not having Viking. Roger Craig. Yeah, great Viking. Great Viking. All-time great Viking. Talk to him once. Um, but I'll never understand that. I mean, he was one of the centerpieces of one of the great offenses of all time. Deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Anyhow, uh, I could see it starting to happen much more often in the future that teams use running backs as playmakers and guys get in the 1,000-1,000 club, get 2,000 yards from scrimmage, etc., Give me another statistical accomplishment that you think will increase in the NFL over the next five years. You want to start this time? I was going to say 5,000-yard passers. Maybe that's uh, too obvious. But I think that when someone threw for 5,000 yards in the past, that was the record. Like Dan Marino, 5,000 yards on video games. You'd be like, how the hell did somebody throw for 5,000 yards? Is it the video game record or is it the real record? And now... You're talking about guys reaching 5,000 yards more often. Roethlisberger did last year. Breeze has been able to do it. And at some point, we've already taken it to where everyone gets 4,000. 5,000 will be the new 4,000, which is the new 3,000. I would go non-quarterback touched, non-quarterback throwing touchdowns. So wide receiving touchdowns, running back touchdowns. I love when a non-quarterback throws the ball for a touchdown. I want to see more of it. It's way too exciting. <laughs> End of rounds and throwing it around. Love it. That's what I want to see. I've saved mine for last because it's unique. It's off the field, actually. And I got creative here. Okay. But I think we're starting to see it now, and I think we're going to see it more and more, unless there's a uh, work stoppage when the CBA is up in a couple of years, and that's this. I think statistically we're going to see more holdouts by top-line players. Hmm. because For more guaranteed money. For more guaranteed money because the union is awful. And for the most part, they do they do a, a terrible job of representing the players. They do an awful job, and there are a lot of guys that can't strike because they live paycheck to paycheck. I get that completely. But running backs, you're starting to see them be like, "I'm not going to camp," and they're exactly right. I think we are going to see a spike in skill position players who say, "If you're not going to give me more guaranteed cash, I ain't playing." And they're going to cause teams to lose games, and it's going to be it's going to get incredibly interesting. But short of a work stoppage, I think these guys have to do something. And but, I think but what a work they have stoppage to, is coming eventually. Well, it should it should be, but the problem is, guys twenty eight through fifty three basically say I can't strike. That's true. And and so if you are um, Melvin Gordon or Zeke or a player like that, now I think you're saying okay, that's fine. Then I'm not going to play. And I think we are going to see guys say unless you guarantee my contract. And some probably in full. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing. And so a spike in guys who hold out. Last one, guys. Now, Jalen Ramsey, who said earlier in an interview with Adam Schefter that he was going to keep his nose to the grindstone. He was going to stay out of the headlines this year because it's a contract season. So you won't be getting any hot quotes from Jalen Ramsey this year is what he said. Well, must have changed his mind between then and now because he showed up at camp in a Brinks truck. I had, to Google, I had to Google this. He wants to get paid. I, yeah, I Shows saw up it. in the Brinks truck. I saw it on Twitter this morning. They still have those, right? That they just... The Brinks trucks? The money, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay, I didn't See know if that was... Like, money, money is a thing that exists on the internet and in a plastic piece in my... Nope. Uh, they still have them. Now. They do have cash still 
flowing around. Anyway, so he shows up in a Brinks truck, cool one of the coolest entrances to camp of all time. And at TCO, we don't get the camp entrances anymore yep. because it's not Mankato. So everyone's just kind of there, and then we see them. Um, if you had the NFL cash, you had the big contract, and you could do whatever you wanted for your arrival at training camp, yep. how would you arrive? All right, I would do three separate things here. Um, but but if I was a star player and flamboyant, I would call the team and say, clear a practice field. Make sure a practice field. It has to be cleared or people will die. <laughs> I would then I would then rent a helicopter and at, and to land on said practice field. And as it was descending, I was throwing cash out, flowing oh, wow. onto my oh, teammates. Wow, making it rain to show them how rich I truly am. Making it rain. But the third part, I'm making it rain. The third part of my equation is I would not make it rain until. After the day after or the practice after the first preseason game, because I would never show up for this part of camp. If I was a star player, of course, of course. I would only show up after the start of the preseason. So helicopter making it rain from said copter, and then also <laughs> That's being be being late. Those would be said copter. That's how I would be doing it. I would roll up. In my Lamborghini GT 1999 edition, if anyone ever played, Matthew might have played this one, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 for the PlayStation 1. Yeah, okay. Judd definitely I'm, did it. I know well, of it. I'm, I'm racing him. That I'm was, terrible at racing games, me but too. I know it. Me too, but that was like an easier one, and I used to play. It was one of the first games I had for my PlayStation, and I've always envisioned if I won the, if I won the lottery that I would buy that car. It has the wingtip doors. It has the big GT on the side. I want it yellow. For whatever reason, because it looks really good in yellow, and that's how I would roll up. I'd roll up obnoxiously too, obviously, because I have a Lamborghini. So I would just be coming in really hot, maybe doing a wheelie. Maybe I can get Mark Wilth in there or Ziggy Wilth in there too with me, and I'll just do some spins and donuts in the parking lot. That's how I'd roll up to camp, and then football. That's how I would start it. All right. So um, you guys have seen Mad Max, the movie oh, yeah. Mad Max. Cla- so you, I love Mad Max. Now you know that I am a uh, shredder of the six string, right? The, the guitar. The guitar. Now, there, there's a scene in Mad Max. Where there's a guy who's strapped to one of these giant vehicles that are rolling through the dystopian desert, yeah. and he's got fire shooting out of his guitar. Oh my gosh. That's my answer. I want to be strapped to something giant that's rolling into training camp while I play a guitar uh, with giant amplifiers and fire is shooting out of the guitar. I think we just put you on the Score North vehicle out there and <laughs> do it in, do it in a week. I think we can really do it. We'll put Ross in the car and we'll just have you strumming the guitar. Yeah, yeah, we, we can, can do, do it. it. Yeah, we, we can, can do, do it. it. Roll, rolling into camp. I should have rolled that's into camp amazing. like that instead of my Honda Civic. Yeah. That'd be way better. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, okay. So that is it for Hot Routes. Uh, when we come back, the Vikings have claimed a running back. And I will tell you his name and where he's from, who he is, what he does here. Uh, when we come back, they uh, they let go of Rock Thomas. They've replaced Rock Thomas. We'll discuss, and then we'll have a little fun with ironic ways that the twin, or that the Vikings could pull off what the Twins did last night against the Yankees. So we will do that. When we come back, you are listening to Purple Daily on Score North.
right, we are back here on Purple Daily. The Minnesota Vikings have added a running back. Judd, nothing more exciting than that. Bum, 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 bum. Breaking news. D'Angelo Henderson, who was let go by the New York Jets to replace Rock Thomas. Yep. So I did wonder if they would do this because I was asking today Kevin Stefanski about the young running backs, Madison and Mike Boone, who I think both have a chance to have roles on the team, but they kind of have to prove that they can pass block. And Mike Zimmer was pointing out, this is just how football I've already gotten. Mike Zimmer was pointing out option routes for running backs. This is a big thing where you go out. I think it's not. Yeah, it's a big deal. I know, you know, I'm telling everyone else. I know, I know you know. I so know. you go out as a running back into the flat, if you will, and then you have to decide based on the leverage that you have against the linebacker whether you're going to break left or right. Um, And that's probably not the easiest thing in the world to decide at full speed when you're a rookie if you haven't done this a lot before Mm -hmm. and that the NFL is going a lot faster. And plus, the linebackers are savvy as hell and they know how to show you things that they're not actually doing or coverage looks that might actually be different looks and so forth, and uh, so it's a little bit harder for some of these young running backs. Well, D'Angelo Henderson has some experience. He's played in eight games as a member of the Denver Broncos and New York Jets. Ah, the Broncos. There's your connection. So he's got the, yep. the Kubiaki in tie-in. He ran seven times for 13 yards on the 2017 Denver Broncos. But yes, he has the... The WWGD, what would Gary do? do? He would sign D'Angelo Henderson, which will be hard for office fans not to call him D'Angelo Vickers. <laughs> off of that <laughs> off of that point, I have a very geeky football question okay. for, for, uh, for you about the evolution of the sport. What position do you think at one time was pretty simple that has become incredibly complex? Because running back to me strikes me as, and I might be wrong, but it seemed to me there was a time when you basically got the ball and it, you had to catch. I get all that. But the amount of things a running back is asked to do in today's game compared to 20 years back to, uh, seems to be, it's not, it's not completely different, but it's at such a higher level, I think. So I think that the answer is probably all. I mean, sure, I but I'm select saying, all here, but yeah, if me. I were to pick one and you weren't giving me running back, I think I might go with wide receiver because... If you even go back to the early 90s, they threw the ball down the field mostly. So you would be running go routes, you'd be running posts, you might be running deep hitches and things like that, and you would run the play that they called. So they send it in, here's the play call, it's got everybody's routes in the play call, and then you run it. Now, and I was talking with Stefan Diggs, I don't know how long ago this conversation we had, but I asked him, I said, do you know everything you're going to do when you get to the line of scrimmage? And he said, no, I don't know everything I'm going to do till I actually take off. And there are reads that you have to make on some different routes, some different option routes, where you might, let's just say as a tight end, you might have to go up and turn um, you know, in, into a post or something if the coverage was a different look than you thought it was going to be. Because a lot of teams love to show certain coverages and then change them right after the snap to mess with quarterbacks. And if you're a tight end, maybe that your route on open uh, the middle of the field open with two deep safeties is supposed to be a seam route or something 
or a post, and then you have to change that into something else based on what the coverage look is. So tight end is probably a, a good answer here, too, because everyone wants these tight ends to be so much more yep. than they ever were. And as we found out from the Vikings drafting them often down the draft board, you can't just throw in somebody fast who can run down the field and they can do all these things. Because as a tight end, I think you used to have guys who were really great blockers Mm -hmm. who might catch the ball pretty well if you threw it to them, aside from a handful of guys. Now they want everybody to be great blockers, great route runners, go down the field. You're not just a check down That's probably one of the positions. And if you look, I watched San Francisco tape to write about Irv Smith. They have George Kittle running these screens. They have him running behind the line of scrimmage. So he'll line up on the right side. They'll take the snap. They'll run outside zone to the right. He'll come back to the left, and they'll do play action. So there's all these different things that they ask tight ends. That would probably be my answer. That's a good one. Yeah, that's that's tr- true because in, in my day, it seemed like if tight ends could catch, that that was great. But the majority either could catch or could block, and they and they really weren't asked to cross paths much. And now, well, now look at the Vikings; they're, they're essentially going to take their tight ends in 2019 and say you need to be able to block, but you also have to replace the receiver, because Laquan Treadwell essentially can't play, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, Kyle, play play here and and, and um, execute your assignments and blocking and, and all that, but you also have to essentially be Kirk's third option. I also or judge first this, option at times. I, I judge this by how difficult it is for tight ends to step into the NFL and how rare it is to see a rookie tight end really ascend. You'll see some show a little bit of talent early on, and if they even get 30, 40 catches their first year, you'd say, okay, keep an eye on this guy because if he can do that, um, or even like what Mark Andrews did for the Ravens last year, okay, this is an interesting guy to watch because he even was on the field and doing some things as a rookie, and I don't think it's just purely physical. Offensive linemen, there's a lot, too, technique-wise to learn, like the the, oh, minute, the little techniques. Absolutely. But I, I think that that adjustment is physical. It's super physical. It's... That guy across from you is way more athletic than anyone you have ever seen in your life. You have never lined up across from anything like Aaron Donald when you come from any college program. No one is going to give you that type of quickness off the jump, that type of power that can drive you back. And so that's why I think those rookies struggle. Maybe the mental part is still challenging, but not as difficult as maybe wide receiver and tight end. So I think I would pick those. Question for you, Judd. I mean, you used to cover the Packers. You've got all the insights on the Packers. Two years. Yeah. <laughs> Two years. Long time ago. Uh, what are they doing? They they cut Mike Daniels today, and Mike Daniels is a guy who has given the Minnesota Vikings fits. What are they doing? Why did they do this? I am very, very surprised. I'm very surprised, and, and I, there has to be, my guess is that there has to be something that transpired behind the scenes here, right? There's got to be, because... They're basically not giving an explanation that at the start of training camp makes sense. It's just, why wouldn't you have done this in June, Matthew? What's the explanation? I didn't see one. Well, they basically, I mean, they're basically trying just to say, well, we've got options there. And But, I mean, this was a guy that, uh, what was it, week two when the Vikings tied the Packers last year? And going into that game, I, I remember sitting in the Lambeau Field press box with you, and you're like, Mike Daniels is a complete beast. He's going to be really hard to handle. And so for him to be cut at the start of training camp, there has to be more here. There absolutely has to be. This this really surprised me. 
he had five quarterback pressures that day in Green Bay against the Minnesota Vikings. And, and, these, and these guys aren't easy to find. No. Like, you no. don't just be like, well, you're, we'll cut you, and then next man up, we'll be fine. I'm looking at his performances last year. His grade was down from pro football focus, but his pass rush was still exceptional. And he only had one game where he didn't have a pressure. He had one against Detroit with six one against L.A. where he had seven in that game where the Packers almost beat the Rams. You remember the Ty Montgomery brings it out of the end zone for no discernible reason. Here's my theory on this is that, well, A, maybe they are lining up for a potential trade with someone and they want the money, the space, say Melvin Gordon, potentially. I know they have Aaron Jones, but... If you're trying to go all in and get as much talent around your quarterback as possible, I'm not sure the Packers really did that. Mm -hmm. So would they want Melvin Gordon and Aaron Jones to create a great backfield for Aaron Rodgers to have? My other theory is uh, Zadarius Smith is a guy that lines up in multiple different positions. The guy they signed from the Baltimore Ravens, and one of those positions is on that interior. They play the 3-4, so you move that three guy inside, and the outside linebacker is playing outside the tackle, that sort of thing. And Zedaria Smith, when he rushes from there, I watched a little of tape on him. He's a monster. I mean, him against guards. You remember how Zimmer used to put B-Rob over guards and he would just run right through them? Yeah. Like, that's what Zedaria Smith did in Baltimore, and it's possible that they want him to play that position quite a bit over the guard and uh, in certain circumstances, and they just didn't feel like Daniels but why now? was going to be as good. That's my question. I don't know. I mean, it's an odd time. The timing is very weird to me. Yeah, I don't know. And I can't explain it. I can't explain it either, but I, I, I still think that the Packers' defense is going to be pretty darn good. Um, officially, by the way, uh, Melvin Gordon has been put on one of those many lists that exist. Which one? Mm, the one where you're not practicing, but it's for non-football reasons. What is that called? I just had this. And Is that the NFI? Non-football injury list? Um, let's see. The did not report list. Oh, okay. They got All the right. PUP. They got the NFI. They got the did not report And you list. can be, and if you don't report to a training camp, you can be fine, but you don't get paid in, until the season starts, correct? Correct. So, and but you can be fine per day per mispractice if you're under contract. Remember with Michael Strahan, this happened. They were like, "Oh, they're fining him twenty something thousand dollars." <laughs> they, 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 they probably just said, "Okay, sorry, we, we're sorry," because you're still great when you come back. Jadavian Clowney is doing this right. He's just probably going to skip all of camp That's, and then show up week one. Matthew, I'm telling you, I think this is going to become the thing to do. If short of a strike, if I if you're not happy, what's the incentive if you're a star player to show up? There are certain guys, too, if you're not putting in a new offense or new defense, they really don't have to put in a lot of effort at training camp. And Adrian used to not play in the preseason games, right? And that made a lot of sense to not have Adrian Peterson, your best player, risking his legs in any sort of preseason capacity. And where I really came into this line of thinking that, you know, they talk about how important this is, and it's probably true to a lot of extent to be around there, to be in the meetings and everything else, to understand your scheme and so forth. But when Sam Bradford showed up and like 10 days later beat the Packers yes. at U.S. Bank Stadium on a very limited offense, but still was able to go out there and lead a new team at quarterback, I thought, okay, you know, a lot of this camp for any veteran player is just not super important. Mm -hmm. The best thing that the Vikings defensive line can do 
is to challenge the offensive line and see if this is going to kind of work or if they need to look for different solutions other than Josh Klein, right? Right. I mean, I mean that's probably the best thing. What else can Daniil Hunter do for you? He's in unbelievable shape, I'm sure. I haven't seen him yet, but I'm just going to throw out a guess that he's you in great could, shape and he could just show up week one. But you could start to scare teams. If if you truly yeah. want, and you should, if you're a star player, you should want as much of your, of your um, contract guaranteed as possible. The way to start to scare teams short of your of uh the players going out which I don't believe that they're going to do cuz I don't think the majority can the way to scare them is say I'm not playing and cuz if you don't play it's going to impact them and what are they going to do in some cases they're going to have to fold let me ask you another question you wanted to talk about the way that Rick Spielman yes framed the Kirk Cousins conversation. Yes, I, I saw that, that they were picked up um, by Pro Football Talk, well, I, and I texted you while sitting at CHS Field yesterday. And I found it very interesting that Rick talked about year two of Kirk and Kirk being more comfortable, and, and the narrative makes perfect sense. I totally get that. But the common sense doesn't to me, because you know as well as I do that at the end of minicamp, we sat in Egan and listened to Kirk basically say, I don't know nearly as much about this offense as you all think I do, and I'm mm-hmm. going to make this very clear to you. So why wouldn't Rick have taken... I mean, it's very simple to say, well, if I was going to talk about that, it now doesn't make sense. So it surprised me that Rick was basically saying something that two and a half months ago, or two months ago, I guess, or so, uh, Kirk had told us, absolutely not. I've got a theory on this. It's I'm going to call it... I'm putting out an article on this soon. Uh, Thursday. 2017 Theory. I'll come up with a sexier name for it when I put out the article because I'll probably reference it quite a bit as we go. The scorenorth.com piece that you're writing? Scorenorth.com, that free website that you don't have to sign up for, and there's no promo codes. Um, But uh, my theory on this is that everything that happened in 2018 that went wrong on the offensive side, they tried to change and fix and then also come out and tell us how much they changed and fixed it. So it will be more like 2017. Like, oh, that was 2018. We made those mistakes, so now we're fixing them. Or in this case, it was John D. Filippo's fault, and we're fixing it. That, uh, Courtney and I talked about a lot yesterday, is it's still sort of subtly being fingers pointed back to that offensive coordinator didn't do what he was supposed to do. Um, but I the whole thing with this team has been, since 2017, is that we're going to sort of make it happen again. We're going to be able to repeat 2017 because we brought in this quarterback who can be as good as Case Keenum was at quarterback in 2017. And we're going to bring back this defense that was number one, so we'll be number one again. And we brought back all the defensive players who were number one. Anthony Barr, we paid him, made sure that Everson Griffin stayed. We didn't trade Xavier Rhodes. We kept everybody. The only guys who aren't here for 2017 who were starters, so B-Rob was a backup at that point, are Anderson Deho and Terrence Newman. Those are the only guys who are not here, and and probably Tom Johnson, too. I'm still holding out hope that Tom comes back, but maybe he doesn't. So, if, so you guys can hang out together and talk football. So, so I think that that's the way that they've decided to approach it, is we're going to recreate 2017, yeah. and that's the way that Rick Spielman is laying it out there, is, okay, now we've got the, the scheme from the old-school West Coast guy. Does that sound similar, like Pat Shermer at all to you, mm-hmm. with Gary Kubiak being here? And everything we did wrong, the changes that we made, the things that we messed up on, the offensive line, the scheme, and so forth, we have fixed those things 
this year and we're going to be just like 2017. That's so, that's my theory. So this is a callback in essence to say that Cousins can be Keenum? Essentially, yes. I'm, or that, well, I guess they're more or less trying to say that Cousins can be 2016 Cousins or as good or better than 2017 Case Keenum because he's got the right you, scheme now. If if you're right, and I'm not dismissing what you're saying, how absolutely flawed that sounds as as far as logic goes, like it's totally flawed. It's kind of what my article is about. So you, you're not breaking news there. And the Viking. So here's the thing about the Vikings that I don't get sometimes too. I feel like the Vikings are. Do Do you know the old school parents? type of folks that never would allow people to know that things in, in their house weren't perfect. Like, <laughs> like they, like the kids would always be like, Oh, my parents are fantastic. <laughs> and the parents, but behind the scenes, they'd be fighting like cats and dogs and things would be off the r- rails. And if you a- ever separated, saw it, but they show up to the PTA exactly. meeting together and don't you tell know, the counselor. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, um, <laughs> it, it's like, you know, the Stevens are the greatest couple and privately they can't stand each other and they fight constantly and they're a complete mess. And one of them drinks too much. I feel like the Vikings, <laughs> what else do they do? Jeff? I feel like the Vikings, they sleep in separate beds. I feel like the Vikings, their approach is like that at times. Like everything's just fine. Well, no, it's not. It's like, the Stefanski Kubiak thing. Like, why not just come out and tell us what's going on here? Like, we all know the titles tell us, but you know, sending poor Kevin to the podium. This is our offensive coordinator, so he's talking. You know, things are fine in there. Okay, it's fine. Kubiak's your OC in reality. He's your head coach of offense. And and if this was the first time that this took place, I'd be like, okay, they're trying to feel their way through this. But Matthew, how many things have we seen that have been like this with them? And and I don't know if it's driven by the Wilfs or it's driven by Spielman, but it's always this deflection of it was so-and-so's fault and so-and-so's fault. They're gone now and things are absolutely fine. And we all say, hey, it's fine to be human. It's not fine. Kubiak's running your offensive show. Your head coach melted down last year because too much was put on his plate. And again, I'm not even faulting him. He's good defensively. But just sort of tell us the truth. And this is how it's the callback to 2017. And and they won't say that exactly, but it was sort of implied in a number of different ways last year that, oh, okay, we're signing this quarterback so he can recreate the season that we didn't believe Keenum could recreate or and that he would be better than Keenum. When you run the 2017 numbers, compare them of Keenum 2017 to the average Kirk season, they come out pretty similar, except for Keenum didn't get sacked hardly at all that year and never fumbled. And those are two things that happen a lot to Kirk Cousins throughout his career. And that was kind of the part that they didn't think of enough, I guess, was, you know, Kirk Cousins is not going to run away from that pressure the same way that Case Keenum did. So having a limited left tackle and a rookie right tackle probably going to not work out as well as it would have worked with Case Keenum, who could just escape. I was looking up Rashad Hill's numbers when he played tackle in 2017 versus 2018. He basically allowed the same pressure rate, except for Keenum got sacked once when Rashad Hill was playing, and Cousins got sacked five times. Yeah. That's exactly how it is. It's like the, the linemen can do the same exact thing, except for a running quarterback or a more mobile quarterback or pocket presence, whatever you want to put can escape and get away from it. And it's just that 
what they're trying to do now. It's almost like, well, we didn't really realize some of these things. D. Filippo wasn't going to run a similar system to Pat Shermer. And, so just say we screwed up, though. And, uh, no, of course not. It's D. Filippo's fault. I'll give you one game in particular, and I'm not even going to say that the Vikings would have won this game, but if but uh, 2017 Keenum playing quarterback in this game changes the dynamic of the game completely. It's Buffalo. Absolutely. Yep. The Buffalo game, you either win. Now, now you don't play well. So you, you, it's a close game. You win or lose the game. I'm not saying that you win the game, but think about that game. The Buffalo game, um, Kirk Cousins in that game was Blake Parker last night. Didn't give you a chance. He didn't. Right, because Jerry Hughes dominated Riley Reef and right. he couldn't escape it, and they just strip sack Cousins, and then it was over. I don't think Keenum fumbles in that game. That's the difference. Yeah. I think he gets sacked, and I think it's a I think it's a very tough game for the offensive line, but I don't think he fumbles. So here's the issue with the Keenum and Cousins conversation is that people always like to come back and say, well, Case Keenum wouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. And maybe that's true. Um, if he was with John Filippo and it was a different offense and Keenum maybe would have struggled. He struggled with a bad offense for him in Denver. I didn't even think last year was really so much his fault as I watched a few of their games and said, wait, that's not the offense that worked for Case Keenum. Why did you sign him if you weren't going to have him run the same offense? What are you thinking? Football. And they had a bad offensive line, too, and he got sacked more and, and everything else. So it's not like he's Steve Young with his escapability or anything like that. But I always think of... It's you asked Kirk to recreate a season that he probably couldn't recreate. One fumble by Case Keenum the whole year. Remember, was in Carolina. I wasn't even sure if that was a fumble. That was one that was his hand might have been coming forward, and they ruled it was a fumble, but we weren't sure. He, it, I mean, that's pure luck, really, for Case Keenum that year. But you just can't expect that that's going to happen to you again. You can't expect that he was only he only threw seven picks. You can't expect that that's going to happen. I think uh, Keenum had zero pick sixes in 2017. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Gonna happen. I, I do right. agree with that. So, so they asked right. Cousins, and this is in a way where you would say this isn't necessarily Cousins' fault because he was who he was, is they asked Cousins to recreate a season that he probably wasn't capable of recreating and then gave him an offensive line that made it impossible for him to And a system, recreate. too. And a system that was impossible for him to recreate. Case Keenum. I, so I think that's why the focus is so much on the system, though. I that's can, one part of it. I can definitively tell you two things. One, one is Case Keenum, if he had come back last year, would have regressed and um, wouldn't have been a disaster, but he would not have been the same quarterback that, that he was in the 13-3 and three year. But the other thing that I can tell you with a certainty is that Keenum, the one thing that wouldn't have changed is his ability to sense pressure and move would have helped him a ton. Uh, yes, and Cousins yes. doesn't, and he just doesn't yes. have that. Yep. But that's a Case Keenum to his dying day as a quarterback will have that. He'll be able yep. to sense that. Kirk Cousins to his dying day in this league as a quarterback, I don't think will ever have that because it's a God given clock. In your head, and, and I think what you might say is, and, and as much as it can be a struggle to sign a good offensive lineman, is look if you're going to bring in Kirk Cousins, don't bring in Sheldon Richardson for eight million dollars. Spend that eight million dollars on somebody who's going to fill in those shoes when Nick Easton goes down. But or, wanted his or, toy, or don't hire an offensive coordinator who's coming from Philly. Yeah, they had uh, the best offensive line yeah. in the league. They just stood back there in the shotgun all day long. You saw the NFC well, Championship game. This system now here's where it will work: is it is built 
by Gary Kubiak and Shanahan and going back to the West Coast to help offensive linemen, and it consistently does. It consistently helps offensive linemen perform a little bit better than maybe they're capable of, and John Filippo did the opposite. So when Spielman brings it up, no, it is not the exact offense he had in Washington 2016, but he is correct in saying these are better things to protect this quarterback from his shortcomings than we did last year. The big question was, well, why did you hire a guy who wasn't going to run an offense that was fit for Kirk Cousins? So anyway, we got to take a break. When we end the show, it's going to be with, I want you to pick a loss for this year that's going to be really ironic and bizarre the way that the Twins was last night against the Yankees. We'll have some fun when we return. This is Purple Day. Quick little score north download before we wrap up Purple Daily. Vikings training camp is underway from TCO. You can check out all of Matthew Collar's work at scorenorth.com. It is a free website. Yeah, get it while you can. You can check out things on the wide receiver position. Garrett Bradbury and his business approach. Yeah, he, he is a very smart business-approached man, as well as how to use Irv Smith. Maybe a 53-man roster projection. Whatever you want, the football is there, courtesy of our Matthew Collar. The football is the indeed football there. Is Thank there. you, Declan. Um, football on a stick. I took a picture of it. Good. Maybe I'll tweet it out. I like it. Later. Uh, all right. So real quick, Judd, before we wrap up, last night I was thinking Vikings. When Aaron Hicks caught the ball at the end, I thought, this is classic Minnesota sports. It can't just be some regular Yankee. It yes, can't just be right. Aaron Hicks or or that fat first baseman who got hit in the face with the ball and kept playing. It just it it's gotta be Aaron Hicks because he's a former twin and they traded him for a backup catcher and it's just perfect. So I want you to give me give me the prediction. Because I was going through the Vikings schedule and thinking, oh man, ironic losses could be everywhere on this slate. Yes. There's so many opportunities for ironic throwback type losses. Give me yours. That would be the most sort of typical Minnesota sports loss on the slate. Okay, so I, I will go down the Hicks path and keep it with a former Viking putting the dagger into the Vikings' heart with this one. Is it Week 8 Thursday night game against Washington? It is. Right around there. All right, so you're playing Washington, but it's even better because Dwayne Haskins by that point almost certainly will have replaced Case Keenum as the starting quarterback because my contention is he's going to start ASAP. You injure Haskins in that game. He gets hurt because your defense oh, is really good. Oh, comes off the bench. Yes, so okay. Case guys. So, so this is an this is not a situation where Keenum starts the game, but he has to come off the bench. Let's say he comes off the bench in the third quarter, primetime game Thursday night. You are up, let's say twenty eight fourteen. So it's comfortable. It's not complete. It's not solidified, but it's comfortable. And Case Keenum leads a comeback that ends with the final play of the fourth quarter. That's right. The final play. Minneapolis Miracle. (laughs) Going the other way to dagger you in front of a national TV audience off the bench making Case Keenum season. All right. That's pretty good. I have week 17 against Chicago. The Vikings are up by six points. Fourth quarter. They kick it off. And the kick goes out of the back of the end zone. So here comes Chicago. It's Mitch Trubisky. He's hoping for a game-winning drive. There's a minute left. He comes up. He's under center. Everybody's focused on the quarterback, takes the snap, 
hands it to a wide receiver running a jet sweep. Who's got the ball? Oh. He's breaking loose. Oh, no. There he goes. It's Cordero Patterson. He's taking it all the way, and Chicago eliminates the Vikings for the oh, playoffs no. on a Cordero Patterson 75-yard rushing touchdown. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my nightmare. I've had that nightmare already. You've had the nightmare. I've already the, had it. The Cordero pa- as soon as he signed, you're like, he's getting a touchdown. I don't know how it's oh. coming. Other potential options, a 38-7 to loss against Philly, 41 donut at New York. That could be another one. Tying against Green Bay and having a field goal to put you ahead two scores against Atlanta and booting it. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.